Hey everyone, welcome back to the On Point Podcast. Thanks for joining me on this episode. I get to sit down with uh, my really good buddy Mitch and talk about what is being on point for kind of like being on a spectrum. So if you don't have time to do what you know I do, shoot all the time, work out, and do with all this other stuff, you say you have kids, uh, you know, 60-hour-a-week job, just like Mitch, he can't commit that much time to it. So for being on point for him, it may look a lot different than being on point for me. And uh, we just kind of want to talk about, you know, being prepared, what priorities should you have going into the season with a limited time to get ready for it. Because uh, not everybody has all this time to be able to commit to, uh, you know, getting good enough as they want to be for hunting. So uh, this is a really cool episode. I had a great time sitting down with Mitch and uh, really hope you guys give me some feedback on this one. What is on point for you? What can you commit? You know, what's important for you with the limited amount of training you have or time for training that you have? What, do you, what areas do you focus on? Let me know. I'll post this on Instagram, and uh, we'll see you uh, at the end of the episode. Bye. Sounds good. All right, man. So sitting down with the uh, one and only Mitchell Dixon. That's right. My uh, estranged hunting partner that is way too busy nowadays. Estranged. I like that. Gone <laughs> <laughs> uh, but not forgotten. Yeah, <laughs> gone and not forgotten. Uh, since we've last had you on here... Um, we were hunting. We, we were in Eastern Oregon. Were we? We were on a mule deer hunt. Has it really been that long? <laughs> we recorded two on the way home. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we were just watching videos. Okay, so <laughs> one, one of them didn't make the cut. <laughs> yeah, we were just watching videos on the way down here. One of the podcasts... Yeah, one of the podcasts I scrapped because it was just a little too uh, out there, I think. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it was, we were watching a video from the hunt where Mitchell recovered his deer. We both forgot that we had that video watching Shelby's wonky bull video, watching a video where we completely didn't hear a bull bugle, but the, the camera picked it up. That was awesome. So yeah, it's just really cool filming your own shit. I, I just never want to leave the house without a camera anymore when I'm going hunting. I hate it when we're, when we're hunting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. This yeah. is. It's like, it bothers it. me a lot that it's like so much of the part of, of so much now. of a part of everything when we're hunting. And it's like, oh, we got to stop and do a dialogue, it's, right? Or you're interviewing me, you're asking me questions. It's, yeah, I, I hate it at the time, but when I watch it back, it's worth it. It's it's I, I don't remember the details the way that the camera will. Yeah, so it's it's so nice to have that. Well, you know, for somebody like a complete, and you have a great memory, man. But for somebody with a really bad memory, hearing you say that, like. I forget complete days out in the woods and I like complete encounters with shit. Like having a camera, it literally, literally jogs my memory. I'm like, okay. And then watching that video, oh, then this and this and this, it just brings a whole flood of memories back. Right. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to show you every angle, but it triggers what you, you know, what, if you remember what it was like standing there and you're (laughs) trying to picture it as best you can in your head and then you see this tree that had a, some kind of funky abnormality and yeah. know, it just all comes rushing back yeah. because it's definitely what you saw and it's how in even the amount of time things took that that's yeah. another one like it all happens in seconds but it feels like minutes right you remember it like it was minutes like that bull stood there for uh, 10 seconds and it felt like 20 minutes you know like just churn 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 or something yeah. like that it's just after seeing it like watching all the all the footage and stuff are you more down now to film or because you never were against it, really. No, but. no, no. The problem is, uh, 
it's an extra it's it's an added difficulty oh. factor and yeah. uh, you know one of the last podcasts I listened to was you and Anthony talking about things that are crutches and things that oh. make it a little harder camera <laughs> video and camera equipment and and recording equipment I did. that is a huge disadvantage having to well, it almost always works out to where we bring that stuff with the greatest of intentions and end up with, Nothing. you know, trying to chop together a <laughs> yeah, nice right. little video of of a few clips we have. I Not would, much uh, of animals, no no shots, no sh- shooter taking a shot. Right. Almost never any of that. We always want to, but it never works out that way. Well, until you're, until you're willing to have somebody, and I've, I've come to this conclusion, I've heard other guys talk about it, until you're willing to hack, have a guy leave a bow in the truck and bring the camera you're not going to get the footage you need. If you're not willing to lose an animal or opportunity in an animal, you're not going to get the shots That's, you need. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing. If you're not willing to lose lose an animal right. over the fact that you want to get it on camera. Right. Then like, <laughs> like the buck this year. I'm like, You're like, oh, should I grab the camera? I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> Let's go kill this thing. Like, and hindsight, you were right behind me. It, you could have got the, the whole thing on film. Yep. And uh, I'm like, I just as soon as like I got back home and I'm like thinking about it, I'm like, I really fucked up. I should have had Mitchell with the long lens. You could have got the whole arrow and fly everything. And it would have been an <laughs> It all epic. just goes out the window. Yeah. For me especially. For Yeah. For me it's like, nope, that's that's the one I wanted. I'm, I'm going to kill that yeah. back. Like we're not going to screw around with this. Sticking to your guns is a big part of it. Yeah. And, you know, I think in in the future things will be a little different. When it comes to the time we take off. Yeah. And let's hope by then we know what we're doing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, for deer, I'll film. I'll leave a camera in the track. Like I, I've said this multiple times on podcast. Deer, I, I love deer hunting, but I'm willing to let it slide. I think you mean practice? What? Those practice critters that you, oh. <laughs> you're allowed to hunt? <laughs> yeah. Those things that don't uh, matter to anybody? I, some people are big <laughs> deer hunters, and don't get me wrong. It's definitely yeah. – I will I will travel. I will, I will go to halfway across the state for deer. to shoot, shoot those things. But right. They just, just don't, don't do it like they're elk. not the same. It's not the same, right? It's just it's like the dynamic between turkeys and elk. It's that same dynamic, or between turkeys and deer. It's that same difference for me from deer to turkey. Like it's not even the same thing anymore, unless it's a big buck and I have him. I know he's in there. Like that one this year, I was trying to kill. It's like I don't care about turkeys. I'm going to hunt him this year because turkey jerky sounds really cool, and I have the trigger. I'm going to try and do it. I want to try and get the budget bow, you know, to show everybody, you know, I'm going hunting with the budget bow and all this stuff, but it's not a priority for me. Like a bear is like, if I'm turkey hunting and I have a bear tag, you're not, you're just not going to see that. You just, unless I have a day where I can just, the bears aren't out or it's going to rain, or I know I have turkeys that I can go kill on someone's property. I'm, I'm out looking for a bear. Way more elusive, way more, uh, special. Well, there's to me. a lot. Yeah. There's a lot more. Meat? Accomplishment. Yeah, it's just something, not something that happens every day. And put it like this. If you threw all the laws out the window mm-hmm. and you could just go kill whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, mm-hmm. by any means you wanted, killing an elk is still going to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, right. it's not going to be just, like, if I wanted to kill a deer, I could kill a deer in the next 45 minutes. Right. Right yeah. now, if we walked out of here and said, we don't care what laws we break, what time of year it is, whatever, what we use, <laughs> I could go kill a deer right. without... Being two miles off of I five. Oh, for sure. You could drive I five at seven I o'clock. Could grab a pair of binoculars, hit the freeway, <laughs> and glass for a second. Find a deer. I could kill a deer in forty five minutes from now. Could yeah. I do that with an elk? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, <laughs> good luck. I, don't think I so. mean, the only place I would go is I'd go up uh, 
just west of where you know Roseburg here, and, and just drive around up in the woods yeah. and and then hunting them with a bow, whole nother level. Yeah, you know it's it, it's a challenge. It's only gonna work one time of the year, right? Mating, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. it. <laughs> when you can trick them into getting close to you. Well, that late season bow tag that we never even got to go on. That's just to kind of get me out in the woods, very low odds thing. And and luckily I filled my tag before before it even came around. But um, it's it's a, it's like I said, a challenge, and it is a challenge. And uh, for me, it's just there's just something special about elk, just like mule deer with a uh, with a rifle. For me, I love that. I I love that. Those are almost tied, but. I've, I've, and it all, it's all centered around success, right? I mean, when you have enough successes, not that I'm a super successful fucking hunter or anything, or, or I'm, I'm the shit, but I've killed deer pretty much every year since I, I was allowed to hunt, right? It's, right. it's just, it loses its, uh, specialness, I guess, because I have a horrible dictionary. Um, there should be a better word for that, but it loses its prestige prestige yeah and then an elk it's just wow you know look how big it is every time you get up to it, it's like freaking horse man with antlers yeah there's just something to be said about that it's completely when you when you when one of those is dead you're almost like looking over your shoulder like <laughs> just so we're clear this is okay right <laughs> even though i did it with a bow it was 30 yeah. yards away yeah and they're you know we've been in them a lot and yeah this is the stuff that's hanging out at yellowstone park that Minivans are pulling over and taking pictures. Yeah, of, like and they're just letting us kill them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just, easy. They're just such. But it a feels special. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. They're feel letting wrong. us do this. It feels yeah. illegal, is what it feels, because it they're just so, so freaking it's, awesome. It's like, it's like as majestic as an American eagle to me, <laughs> to me, or a bison or something. It's yeah. like it's just a lot. There's a lot behind an elk. You know, it's right. people have been living on. Well, we'll put it this way. When and I've I've said this multiple times. People are like, um like talk about Africa and they're like, man, how cool is shooting that blue wildebeest? Mike about as half as cool as a bull elk. <laughs> That's a good way to you put know, it. You <laughs> know, like I never, it got my heart beating, you know, but nothing like a bull elk screaming at you. Like that bull I shot this year, nothing. It, it, there's just nothing. That, that mule deer I shot this year, way more than that blue wildebeest. I mean, and that blue wildebeest is a once in a lifetime thing, but it's just, I didn't have to struggle for it. Maybe, maybe it's because you went to a place you don't know anything about. Yeah, and when you went there, they were just there. It was and there. You just shot them. It's probably a really big deal for that outfitter. Maybe, but for me, it's like I don't know anything. Like, yeah, okay, we failed one stock, and then the next stock, we were. I'm like, okay, I told them, okay, I guess I'm willing to shoot one of these wildebeest things. They're pretty cool. And then literally three hours later, I had one on the ground. I'm like, okay, where's the struggle here? You, heard, you plan that trip almost a year out. Year and a half. Oh, cool. Yeah, might might correct me then. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> how dare you, sir? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> and the whole time you're talking with somebody that had done it, mm -hmm. and they're telling you what it's going to be like, mm -hmm. and you're going to have a chance at this and that. You kill whatever you want to pay for. Right. You can do. You can just do it. I think part of why elk are special is because you know a lot of people get into it and get after them. There's no gimme. They never ever kill one. If you're not really 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 willing to put the time in, right? You're just not going to. You don't get lucky on an elk like you do a deer. You can catch a, a buck during the rut with a rifle being mentally challenged. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my podcast, but I would say it. <laughs> uh, I don't care. Uh, uh, you can get in. Okay, you guys, I, I'll, I'll have to correct something there because you can get lucky. I mean, we've had really bad luck where, we, where we've where we like had bulls just walk right into us and we're like, fucking 
oh, what, the, what do we do? You know, like you you weren't paying attention because no, because you the bowl. Remember that spike? That's different. That's not. That's a spike. That's. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, I, I did say elk, but what I mean is you're not going to go kill a trophy animal acting like that. Oh yeah, and uh, I can see they're what just you're not going to fall in your lap. Right. You know, it, th- that's the point. Why this is so fun is because it's so difficult. Right. And that's just the way I see it. It's because I don't really feel like I've done anything if I shoot a, a really, really nice 160 inch four point. With a rifle? With a rifle. Right, you know, even with a bow. <laughs> really? You even know? with a bow? Mm, no, Man. no. Something about the animal itself is like. What if you got your ass kicked <clears throat> for four days straight? And then the first opportunity you get was at a 170, and you you shot him with a bow. The only way that scenario would make me feel like Mm -hmm. overwhelmingly elk proud, Mm -hmm. which I just made that up. Elk proud. You can use it. Hashtag. Anyway, (laughs) is if that bull got, or if that buck got away from me all four days Mm. and just eluded me the entire trip, that might come close, but. Just you know, at the end, it's it's just it's a buck. <laughs> it's, a, it's a buck. Some guys are just shaking their heads right now. I'm like, man, yeah, <laughs> it's just different. You know, everybody has their own strokes. I've always had. You know, maybe it's just a born. I was born lucky when it comes to hunting deer. It's just it seems like they're always there, waiting to be found. You'd always go. You're looking. You you find. It's a matter of when. Whether your where your standards are high or low, you. Every season, I mean, if unless you shoot the first little dink you see, right? You you see a nice buck every year. If you get out there enough, you see them. They're there. It's right. that common. Now killing a herd bull, everybody's mm. trying to kill a herd bull. Yeah, and there's not a lot of herd bulls. There's right, a lot of bulls. But if you take down a herd bull, and it's it's just a monster. Yeah, and it's seven years old, <laughs> eight years old. <laughs> You you, <laughs> you did that's, something. That's that's you that's special. succeeded where who, who knows how many people failed. Yeah, and that's spe- that that's just what it is. And you know they do weird things, but predictable things. Yeah, during their mating season, kind of like deer, they're really lazy in the summertime when we get to hunt them. Right. And I've seen really nice bucks just standing there looking at you, and if whether or not it was a place we couldn't kill them or a time of day. Wouldn't have worked. You know, we've seen some nice ones on the highway at dark. You know? Oh so yeah, two or three. Daylight, they'd be legal. Right. We, you know, some of the biggest bucks I've ever seen. They just don't care that you're looking at them. They yeah. don't care that you're forty Walked yards off. away. Yeah. All day long, easy shot. Elk just don't act that way. Yeah. Never, never do you just stand there and look at elk forty yards away. More than one, especially. <laughs> no way. Not, not in my experience. Well, you know, I, I never grew up with. I'd say my family was never really successful growing up hunting elk. And so, I mean, I don't know how many elk you killed when you were younger. I mean, I killed, I've killed three, you know, total. But, you know, like if you don't grow up hunting elk, I feel like it's harder to get success later in life than it is getting a deer later in life. It's just harder in general killing an elk, I think. That's my perspective. Some guys are like, screw that, I can go kill an elk every year. Deer is my challenge. Well, maybe... I don't think anybody. You don't think anybody says no, that? No, I don't think anybody out there is saying <laughs> elk are easy, deer are hard. I don't think that's even a thing. I don't that's think that's not, a thing, but maybe elk are easier than deer for some folks. I don't know. No, maybe I know it depends some, on where you live. I, I, I know some people that claim to be ma- pretty masterful mm-hmm. elk hunters, and it's not really that hard for them. But when, you know, neither is deer hunting. They just don't care. They're at the point where, like, they're just, that just good. supersede 
it's just the next level yeah. because it's that much harder. And when you master elk, deer doesn't seem like much. Hmm. And it, it just killing a monster mule deer with a rifle. I, I'm into that. Don't don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's up there too, you yeah. know, because that's kind of why I pick up a rifle and we go mule deer hunting together. Because you can get that one that you never you, get a chance at with a bow. You just never know. You never know how big a mule deer you can find because mule deer are weird like that. Mm-hmm. They can be so big, so big, and it, for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what a mule deer old, is. <laughs> something about the way an old mule buck looks. It's, yeah. That's when it gets cool, but feeling a tag on a deer, that's kind of more of what I'm talking about. Feeling a, feeling a tag on a deer He's kick. I think yeah. a lot of people would agree that it's not hard. Well, to kill what a about tag. killing a cow? We could kill a cow in the first two days of a hunt. Usually, you and I. I mean, we get into cows pretty damn regularly. Yeah. You Maybe know. don't get the shots at the bulls, but we just watched a video where you passed up a cow at I don't know twenty yards, maybe less. That was my second bull or second, second. elk ever was a, was a cow. Yeah. And uh, the first one was a. It's a sad story. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it was a bull, but it was a sad story. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. God. Anyway. Yeah. Muzzle loader. Bull. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was thinking of a different one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that uh, I call the, the one I'm talking about for sure died. Yeah. The other one did yeah. not. Yeah. We, yeah. So, it was found later, about three months later. Yeah. Muzzle loader, bull tag <sighs> on a shot that was just probably couldn't have been any better. No reason to keep looking when you scoured the whole area, never found a drop well, of Well, the problem was is that it was raining literally about as hard as I've ever seen Oregon rain rain, and that's Oregon rain on, yeah. the, on the coast. And uh, Neck deep in ferns. and it, The blood yeah. was washed away probably just as soon as it hit the ground. I mean, yeah. and the bull died in the creek, which was a river at the time, and I don't think you would have found him. The problem, the biggest problem with that for me, mm-hmm. and the, probably the biggest game changer was... Uh, when you shoot a muzzle loader, mm-hmm. you don't really know what happened. <laughs> yeah. you, just, you always need somebody standing like four feet off to the side to tell you if you. <laughs> if I had seen what you saw, you dude, know, the I, thing almost fell over when you hit it. It was like it was like running a truck into it. All right, I, I had all these doubts of whether or not I hit it, especially yeah. when we couldn't find blood for the amount of time we looked. <laughs> and uh, but you know, uh, you just got nothing but smoke in front of you after yeah. you shoot. You don't know. You don't know what happened. And I have you over there high fiving me and yeah. <laughs> hugging me Holy and telling shit. me <laughs> telling me I just killed a monster bull. Yeah. You know, that was and that was you know, that's why we looked for as That long was as we did, uh, that was one of the biggest it, that would have been probably number four or three in Oregon, according to the record books. I guarantee it is bigger ones killed. But um and and you know, there's been bigger bulls killed now that I've seen on Facebook and stuff. So pro- it'd probably be like number six now. But still, that was like number two, or probably three or four in Oregon when when it was when you shot it. Yeah, that was my first elk. Yeah, you know that would have been my first elk. Yeah, did I ever show you the pictures of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. big bull. It was a whole thing. We, you know, I could have yeah. uh, bought the bought the dead head off of a yeah off of a log. Should have turned those guys in. Long story short. Yeah, well, that's but. hindsight. You know, he wanted to like he was trying to gouge us for the two hundred bucks. Yeah. yeah, you want you want your head back two hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. you're and, douche. And I didn't feel good about it anyway. Yeah, because, you know, well, it, yeah. You know, but it would have completed the story. I mean, yeah. I wish we would have. If I wasn't so cheap, I would have. And then I would have turned the guy in. <laughs> <laughs> or, or how about I don't turn your ass in and you give me my rack back? Because <laughs> you well, just broke the law, sir. You have to leave that shit in the woods. Deadheads? Yeah. In Oregon, you cannot take a deadhead Only out. in some places, right? I think oh. it's Oregon, period. Mm, well, yeah. I know Heart Mountain's that way. Heart yeah. Mountain's, you can't even take an antler 
off the ground. That's kind of well. Maybe I'm getting that confused. You can't because you can take you can take antlers from just about anywhere, but places. Like yeah, Park, if Park. you want to take it out, I think you have to crack the skull. I think. Well, that's probably not legal. <laughs> in half <laughs> because you can't score it then. Oh right, right. That's why it's illegal. I believe so because the guys could shoot a monster, hang it up in a tree, come back a year later and get it. I think that's why. Oh, you mean like poach them and poach them? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So if you find a deadhead, I believe in Oregon, and somebody should just message me if I'm wrong here, email me, but uh, I believe you have to leave a deadhead. I, I know you do in Oregon. You have to leave the deadhead in there. Um, and if you're going to take it, I don't think you can, but I believe there might be a loophole if you crack the head in half and separate the antlers. Because oh, you can take sheds and shit. Yeah, you can take sheds and shit, obviously. But Up until this point, deadhead, shed, didn't matter. I would take it. Yeah, because <laughs> I... I uh, I might have found a deadhead one time and posted a picture about, you know, how I was excited to take it home and somebody messaged me, hey man, you might not want to be posting that. OSP will show up on your door. You know, it's like a three, two or three, or like a three point black tail or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and the law doesn't really determine the kind of people, the difference in the kind of people. Like, yeah. I see, if I found the most Gnarly. monstrous bull that's ever been <laughs> killed that was just dead laying in the woods, I, I'm just not the kind of person that would go score that because right. somebody's always going to know when that someone knows you. Yeah, I guarantee you that bull probably died of somebody shooting it. Like that one monster bull at Powers we shot, uh, put out of its misery, got the permission first from the OSP. I didn't just fucking shoot this bull, but put one in the back of its head from literally like two feet away because it couldn't get up. You know, I... I I, want to get that rack back. I was really nerve-wracked throughout that (laughs) whole thing. And uh, and and you were like dead set on making sure that we killed this thing before yeah. we left. It was just like, the right we thing can't to just, do. We can't. We can't just kill a bull. <laughs> and then you know you're on the phone with a state trooper then yeah. in charge of yeah game around here. Yeah, he's like cut the head off and bring it down to him. I'm like I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'll put it out of its misery. If I'm not driving down this mountain with a fucking yeah. six by seven or whatever it was seven by eight bull in the back of my truck when it's a youth cow season. Yeah, yeah, youth <laughs> cow. Not hunt. doing that. No. <laughs> And uh, I, you know, I would really like to get that rack back and return it to um, the family, uh, Brad's family, Kim's family. You know, just because it would be cool. I think they ended up with it. I don't think they did. I know they didn't. Oh, for well, for effect, because I was telling Alice how how much I wanted to see that rack again. Because that was the last time I think I saw Don. Last you ended up seeing him through that. Yeah. Well, I that was uh, I took him up, or I think I did. I take him you up? just told him the mile marker. I just told him the mile marker, but that was the last time I talked. I think I talked to Don. Oh. That's what I meant. So yeah, it's kind of special to me, you know, because right. that's the last time I got to talk to Don, work with him. Did I did the right thing, you know? Somebody gut shot that thing two weeks prior, and it was still running, well, still crawling around. Yeah, it wasn't in good shape. Just wasn't the right thing to it do. Was about, it was about, we'll probably say three hundred pounds, and it was a yeah seven year old bull. Yeah, it was a giant bull. It, it, would, that it was disgusting. Just frail, looked like no. looked like it would, hadn't. Yeah, I mean, hadn't, I don't trust my luck enough to be able to. Well. I remember saying when we were up there, if this is how I lose my hunting right, hunting rights, so, so be it. Be it. Yeah. I remember saying that, and I was dead set on doing the right thing, and I could look a judge in the eye and say, you can take my hunting rights. I did the right fucking thing. Yeah. You know? And then when I got Don's permission, I was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, I was on board then, but before yeah. that, you, you know, you weren't having it. You weren't letting that animal no. act that way. And I respect that it in just, a way, but it's It like, just man. bothered me to my soul, man. Like, it just, I have so much respect and love for the animals. Like, right there just proves that we're not out to kill. You know, like mercy, respect. <laughs> How about that? Just showing it mercy. Just put it out of its freaking misery. Yeah. 
I just, I don't it's know. It's going to die sad, slow. It could be two weeks before it dies. It's got a lot of meat and fat. That S- body Snow just eat. started flying. That's you know, yeah. that's part of the problem. Everything else was down below the snow line, and he was, yeah. st- he was still up. He was still up there. <laughs> he was still up there and struggling. Yep. So we, yep. Uh, God, what a bull. I bet he scored. I don't even know what he scored. He was over 300, I bet. I have a picture For of Rosie. Him. Do you still have a picture yeah. of him? I'll send I should it to post him. I'll send it to you. You can post it. Yeah, I'll post it. Oh, yeah. So I'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, oh, it's a big bull. <laughs> no, I'm not wearing any camouflage or anything. But I don't want to brag to anybody, but I did shoot a 7 by 8 Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At <laughs> two yards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right in the back of the neck. Right in the back of the head, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'll send you the picture. You can post it if you want. But I, yeah, I'm not wearing any camo right. because I was... Didn't we chop off your head of the picture on purpose? No. Oh. This picture I have is just... I, <laughs> you gripping and grinning this elk uh, we dispatched? I was dressed for snow, not for hunting. Oh. We were just tagging along on a youth hunt. We were just trying to find a bull for yeah, we a, did. A, yeah. a cow for a youth right. buddy of ours' friend. And uh, we ended up doing this instead. So. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, man. Well, this uh, we are 25 minutes deep into an episode. We're supposed to be talking about uh, being oh, yeah, yeah, prepared. Yeah. I don't even care if we talk about it this episode. We Record two episodes. I don't care. I'm down for as many episodes as you want. But <laughs> what, what we want to touch on, and we talked about it, mm-hmm. I think the best way to put it is bare minimums, bare essentials. You know, I I was I was going to contrast that because we have two people on different ends of the spectrum here. Not to make you sound, because there's a reason you are on the end of the spectrum of, of where you are for being train training and working out and preparing and shooting. And then there's mine, which is com- completely different. Right. You've it, got three kids now, one on the way, two are already here. That's right. I don't. I've got more time. Um, my job, it's salary. So, I mean, I work, but I don't work as much as you do. I mean, how many hours do you work a week? That's probably 50 to 60 most of the week. 50, most 60. Weeks, yeah. yeah. See, we're supposed to try to keep it around 40, but... Yeah. You know, I, I and mean, half of that is from here, you know, from home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, and so it's just a different thing. And uh, so when I'm talking about what I'm doing, I don't want people to feel like a lazy piece of shit because they're not doing what I'm doing or doing what Cameron Haynes is doing or all these guys that are super, like, elite level, higher, way higher than anywhere I could ever be <clears> versus well, somebody that's just getting into it, doesn't have time to go run, hike, work out, or any of these things. I'll tell you this. If you want to use the excuse, I don't have the time, you better be... You better be busy. You better be damn busy because I don't have the time. (laughs) But I know... And, and, you know, it might might shorten your ability. It might might be a disadvantage in the end. When you you get out there and when you get hunting... Right. If you only can score four days off to, to elk hunt, what happened? That's what happened to us last year. Yeah. And, uh, if you haven't had the time to, I mean, I don't know that not having the time to stay in some kind of decent shape is a good excuse for anybody. Because you should be healthy, you should whether be, you're busy or even not. Even if you're busy. not doing a thing, you should right. not be eating. You should be a glutton to the point where you can't walk around in the woods for a couple of days. That's yeah, I not, agree with that. I totally agree with that. That's fair to say. It, it's coming from somebody that even drives a lot for work. You're a trucker, pretty much, yeah, right now. Yeah. Well, don't I have to do things now that I didn't have to do before? Yeah. I mean, I. I try not to drink beer on weeknights, <laughs> and it's as simple as that. Yeah. Because that's just, you know, you drink five beers, you're talking right. about 600 calories added to your diet for... Isn't one beer like five pieces of bread or something like that? That's what they say. Yeah. One beer is worth five pieces of... Yeah. Five slices of bread. And I ate a whole loaf the carbs. other night then. 
<laughs> it was yeah. bad. You ate like three loaves. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that. Just don't uh, do it every day. Yeah. And uh, just if you're gonna drink, just binge drink. It's okay. <laughs> simple things. You know, I've been uh, grip training in the truck. You know, yeah. I'm dri- right now I'm driving dump truck for a living, and I'm not not happy about it. But I'm the only one around with CDL, and really, and uh, they need they need to fill that seat. So I agreed to do it for for foreseeable future and. Knowing that, I brought you know I got a hold of some grip training, two hundred and hundred fifty pound strength. Really, and I'm you know just clicking them all day, like over the top, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. driving truck, just like that, just <laughs> <a little> Lincoln <laughs> Hawk. <laughs> anyway, uh. and and I don't know if that'll have much of an effect on, but I'm thinking maybe on my uh, my it might come into play a little bit when it comes time to to shoot my bow and and and, and aim a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit of steadiness in the wrist. When I mean, you don't have that. Wrist, when you have such wrist strength that your bow doesn't weigh a thing, yeah, that might help a little bit. But your shoulders, you know, it's not going to help your shoulders. It's not going to do anything for your shoulders, but in some way, maybe it'll help. But it's just I want to be doing something. So, it's yeah. even if it's just a mental thing. Like I can sh- not shoot my bow for a week, and I feel when I go back to the range, like I'm starting completely over. Like I'm just I my like I just, and I know it's mental, right? But I feel like I'm struggling to find my anchor, like. I could just sit right into it if I shoot every day, but when I don't shoot for a week, it's like there's definitely a learning curve, you know. And I feel like I lose that edge, and and it's it's like a it's like an onset um, doubting that you put on yourself. It's like you're I don't know. It's really hard to describe, but when you, I guarantee, if like you talk to somebody that is like a professional level, and then you don't let them do that for a month, and then they go back. They're gonna be like, oh, I'm such a piece of shit, but he's still better than most people. Better out than there. the average Joe for sure. Yeah, and that's the point of this podcast. Is uh, I think it's a lot easier <laughs> to re-reach yeah. your your highest level than it is to achieve your highest. Yeah. level. Well, it's like working out. If you work out, you build the muscle. It's easier to get back. No, that muscle memory and all the yeah. things that go into that specifically, like yeah, like form. You're not gonna forget. Right. You don't lose the. Like, you don't forget how to do a bench press. If you haven't done a bench press in five years. You learned it, you know it. That's not going away. And I think shooting is a lot like that. Every time you forget and relearn, it, the, your recovery time gets shorter and shorter. Mm-hmm. And um, some people can't grab a hold of their bow and go to the range and, and sharpen their skills right. until you know until it's go time, until it's about to be here. You know, they right. can't lose that time all summer. Summers, you know, the problem with bow season is at the end of summer. Yeah. What happens every summer for you? Somebody's always doing something, right? And there's always some birthday party or some damn thing you got to go to. We both have weddings. Yeah, in yeah. <laughs> Wedding, <laughs> weddings are another one. You know, it's like it's always something. Uh, and yeah. weather's nice. Everybody's out doing. It's just you're. You, yeah, it's hard to find the time. Right. These winter months when no one else is doing it, it's really nice to get down to the range and shoot. Yeah. But it almost to me feels like a waste of time because I know that at some point between this winter and next I'm gonna summer, lose it. I'm going to take a a two month hiatus is probably going to happen, you know, right. before I do between doing anything. And it's like, after that two months, you pick it up, you start again all over. So it's worthless almost to even go sharpen, mm-hmm. sharpen up. It's probably not. It's probably in some way, the more arrows you shoot, doesn't matter the time, the gaps, you know, the, the regularity, it's probably all training. It's probably all good. Hmm. For me, shooting a lot in a short amount of time, that does it. That does a lot. Mm-hmm. And you only need, you only really need to shoot. It doesn't really matter how long it takes you, but 
a week before bow season if you shoot a thousand arrows mm. you're in pretty good shape for shooting well i want to um i want to contrast that i want to push back on that because i i think for you that works right because i know you i know your setup nothing nothing changes your bows if you need it tuned immediately i'll freaking do it for you you've already got the broadheads you're going to use you already got the arrows you're going to use nothing's changed about anything of your setup right but what if somebody's just getting into the sport and they're a week before season? Well, that I would hmm. say well, let's, don't. Let's go back. <laughs> let's go way back. Let's go back to the first bow I ever had, which is a secondhand <laughs> bow that I got from you. Was it the PSE or yeah, the it was PSE X Force? X Force, yeah. Yeah, oh eight. <laughs> it is twenty-seven inches, <laughs> to, twenty-seven inch draw, and I am a twenty-nine and a half. Yeah. And uh, that might not mean anything to some people, but that's, that's back when I was shooting a 27-inch draw. Well, that's what it was. I don't know if you ever wow. got it corrected or not. This is early. This is early on for us. This yeah. is the bow you had. Well, when that's were, I was in high school when you, I had that. Yeah, bow. you were. You were. That's, yeah, I did a little bit of growing. Not about you, but now. I grew in high school and I grew after high school. So, <laughs> 29 and a half inches, and I'm like 20 yeah. when mm-hmm. I get into this whole thing, or maybe even 21. I want to say I've only been doing this for like five years. So, right. like bow hunting. Yeah. yeah, I'd say probably five or six years. I, I yeah. kind of, but anyway, I, that's. Yeah. I had really no interest in it, and all of a sudden, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's do it. Gary, Gary, Gary's pretty uh, on board with this bow hunting bullshit. And the what? what, what <laughs> and the 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 reason that it was so fun for me was uh, it's like I'm stimulated by anything that I see rapid improvement. I picked the bow up that wasn't my size and was pretty outdated at the time. This may have been 13, and mm-hmm. and uh, the bow was at 08. Right. You know, it's not top it's of the line. a five-year-old bow, yep. top of line five years Shooting ago. Shooting the obviously. arrows that you say you like to shoot. You know, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know. And whatever's cheap. I remember I was buying those Beemans. Limb, uh, <laughs> limb splintered on you a little bit. Remember that? Yeah, that happened way later. Yeah. That was next season. Yeah. <laughs> but... uh thinking you know watching people shoot at a target having never shot a bow mm-hmm. and uh you know of course they're stabbing the paper plate they're almost hitting you know they're getting at 30 yards they're hitting bullseyes and at 60 yards they're hitting a paper plate a small small paper plate mm-hmm. you know five out of six times or four out of five whatever you want to say mm-hmm. it's it seems like man it, they really they worked hard to do that they worked really hard to do that and then, then on day one if you never shot and you have somebody there to help you out mm-hmm you can be stabbing a pie plate at 40 yards over and over and I'd over and over easily. and over again. Yeah, that's what I tell people that are interested in it. Like, yeah. I'm not maybe not the guy to go to for like right. all, of, you know, every detail on bow, on shooting bows and, mm-hmm. and bowmanship. But it's, I can tell you this, you surprise yourself on day one. Oh, yeah. You, day one, at the end of a six-hour set of shooting, you'd be lethal at 40 yards. On an animal, mm-hmm. and that's that's you would it. have you'd have a little bit of work cut out for you in that in that time frame though because there's there's shooting a fill point and then there's shooting a broadhead, right? And they're con- two completely different things. Well, let's say that you shot a tune bow with a broadhead, okay? And you you did that all day, <clears throat> and you're how far be- before season? And you're just starting six hours, six hours before season? Yeah, I'd say no, don't do it. I had I'm mics. talking about four six hours. Maybe three hundred shots. I wouldn't do it. And forty yards. What do you? What happens, man? You I miss by a little bit. I wouldn't trust. I wouldn't. Like Mike's kid. No, I'm not saying do it. Oh, I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying that you'd be a real threat. Oh yeah, yeah. To yeah. an animal at forty yeah, yards. Yeah, I wouldn't. Six I wouldn't suggest that one. person get a tag that year. No, 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 no. Yeah. But I, what does it really take? 
What does it take to be lethal at 40 yards? Less and less with all the technology. Oh, it's it's crazy. It's Is that you or me? That's me. Oh. Okay. So, I mean, it doesn't take a lot, as much as it used to, or and it's going to continue to get improved. The learning curves will get quicker with all the information that's available now from podcasts like this to others out there with all the YouTube videos. You could literally learn how to shoot a bow, tune a broadhead, tire serving, tie a D-loop, whatever, just off of my channel alone, right? I've got over 100 freaking videos on YouTube now on bow hunting, mostly. And it doesn't take a lot to, to get good. The bows are fantastic nowadays. The sights are retardedly good. I mean, anybody could go out and get good. As long, I don't know what the time frame would be for, because here's, here's my thing. Just because you can hit a pie plate, a bunch at 40 yards and you buy your bow a week out before season what are you going to do without all that time and effort and work going into hunting season when that deer walks out are you gonna easily forget that week are you going to hold your shit together i mean granted i know some guys that have hunted their whole lives that can't keep their shit together when a elk or a bull or a bear walks out yeah it's a totally different thing though so that's totally different thing when it comes to like your accuracy and your ability to shoot and like if you can't hit a pipe plate at 40 yards after a day of shooting there's something going on yeah that's that's pretty much you can say that about just about anybody right even girl women, I agree. women and children I totally you know, agree you what happens when you miss by a lot you correct and you're a little closer right next shot you learn you're a little closer next right shot, you're, and, and that doesn't take long to happen it doesn't take very long to get good, especially at target. At target shooting, it doesn't take very long to get good. No, you spend most of your time getting very good, and that's where like that that it just gets it gets longer and longer and longer and compounds and all the things you learn almost make it harder. And that's what the case was for me. I grabbed your bow way too short for me. <laughs> whatever, start your elbows arrows. bent at like a forty-five. Oh, it, it, it was. <laughs> All kinds of wrong, right. but I'm hitting this plate, and it's like, oh, you know, this, this, this is, is easy. Awesome. This is great. <laughs> it seems yeah. easy, you know. Yeah. Then you learn more about, okay, well, make sure your level's level. Yeah. Okay. You did that for a year. Make sure you, like, <laughs> this is what good form looks like. Make yeah. sure you're holding. Right. And you're not. Same grip. You're not pulling the arrow one way or the other, and it yeah. just took every little time. It's like a reset. Yeah. You were bad for a little bit, and if you stuck with the good form or the good proper mm-hmm. way, stance, Mm-hmm. It always your your performance always suffers every time you learn something until you work that into your routine. And I want to get comfortable with. I want to stop you real quick and, and reiterate something you just said that I I will be using from now on. You spend most of your time getting really good. You spend the least amount of your time getting good. I think that is nail on the head. Just yeah, I mean, it doesn't take. You 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 just summed it up in one sentence right there. It doesn't take very much to get good. It takes a lot to get really good. Yeah, it's like the opposite of working out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> if you go to the gym and you lift weights for 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 a couple hours one day, you're right. not going to see a damn thing. So just be sore the next. But if day. you don't know bow hunting at all, you go out and shoot for a day and you've done it and you've shot mm-hmm. targets 40, 50 yards. Not nothing extreme, mm-hmm. you know. And and you were able to hit a pie plate most of the time at fifty yards. Yeah, you've covered eighty percent of the battle. 80% of the battle in a couple hours, and the rest is the rest of that 20%. And uh, you're never really going to get to 100. No one's going to be smacking bullseyes every time they release. Right. And it just, there is no perfect. There's human error. There is no way 
that that's going to happen. There's no way that this bullseyes all the time. Like, you know, if it was bow ranges and I had a rifle, yeah, that, that's achievable. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can definitely shoot bullseyes all day. Up Maybe to, you up can. To, up to 80 yards. <laughs> yeah, I've seen With you. a rifle. You know. I can't. I'm not. I just. Reference being like off a bench. Oh, or yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. There's not a, a lot that goes into that. You're pulling a trigger. You know, yeah. you, you don't pull the trigger when you're not going to. As soon as you're going to hit where you want, you're steady. You're going to you just. You're going to hit. That's it. Right. You know, there's so many more things that go into bow hunting. But you can get good enough in a short amount of time. That's the whole point. That's your deal. But Good enough. Good enough. My deal is how good, right? That's where you that's get Olympian. The, that's the spectrum. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a fucking Olympian or anything. I don't want to even put no. that thought out there. There's plenty of guys that kill me at bow shoots. Plenty of guys, right? But I'm in that top. You know, if there's a couple hundred shoes, I'm usually in that top six. You know, like I am. I'm towards the top, but there's always plenty. Of, you know, five or six guys that are completely on another level, right? And so. There's me that puts, and I, I know what it is. They're just shooting more than I am. They're just spending more time working their craft. It's nothing that I can't achieve. It just takes more time, which I don't want to commit to that, right? They're just willing to do that. And then you have you who, we went shooting. Were you there? Yeah, you were there. Um, it was me, Anthony, Mike, and Jeremy. Jeremy hardly ever shoots. Mike doesn't shoot hardly at all. Anthony shoots a little bit. And then you have me that's, well, Anthony shoots quite a bit. And then you have me that's out there all the freaking time. Right, it's no wonder why, and, and and the margins are always usually about the same, about forty points, right? Right. And then your margins are always right there. It's like you, Shelby, Anthony, are always competing, right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm just shooting fucking by myself because I'm out there and I work for it more. I mean, it's not like, it's not that I'm better. It's just I've committed more time to it. We've been to probably, f- I don't know how many shoots. You know, it's it's in the twenties. I would say it's probably twenty in the twenties or thirties. Yeah. And uh, not once have I ever outshot you. Maybe at first halves, you know, I've, I've taken you on some first halves. You've taken halves, me on the first half. But you always pull away, and that's just where – that's the difference. This is what we're talking that's about. The Target ethic. shooting at varying ranges and varying right. in shots and uphill, downhill, whatever, all the stuff that, that you may not be prepared for. Right. Garrett would excel and take – Take the lead and keep it. You know, it's but I could off, be off to a good start. You know, he yeah. could be having some. Anthony issue. first half kicked my ass last time. Second yeah. half, oh. I shot hundreds, hundreds. And I, I I averaged a ten out of um, eleven points or twelve points, which is good for me. You well, know? I would consider myself a casual shooter, and you and sh- I wouldn't consider you consider you a casual shooter by any stretch. I would say you're a committed shooter. I, I would say yeah. I mean, I'll put. Twelve to fifteen thousand arrows downrange before hunting season this year. Yeah. I think the average person's probably two thousand. I don't know. I don't the know. The average person? I don't know. It's two thousand. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For, for me, from the beginning of the year to August, that's five hundred rounds of five arrow quiver. What? Two thousand arrows. Yeah. Five hundred rounds mm-hmm. of a five arrow quiver. That's twenty five hundred. Okay. I don't understand what you're saying. I'm saying that's two. Or no, no, two thousand. That's five hundred times shooting five arrows, and walking and picking your arrows up. Yeah, and, it goes and, by quick when you shoot for. <laughs> no, no, no. Dude. I, I, I think five hundred on a day at the range, and yeah. we were there for three hours. We might do that. That's fifteen two, times. No, well, no. When I'm by myself shooting for three hours, I'll shoot because I, I tracked it one year. Um, I'd shoot six arrow strings. I'd shoot for three, three and a half hours. That'd be that'd be about two hundred fifteen to two hundred twenty arrows. By myself, but that's going 
and not taking any breaks. That's just shooting five, going back, shooting or shooting six, going back and doing that a bunch. And then I had my little Excel spreadsheet. I'd mark all my shit down, and then it'd be about 200 shots on average. That's 23 trips if you divide that by five. Yeah, that's not that much. 23 trips. I'm saying 15 is an average for three hours. <laughs> You're saying people on average do 500? That's uh, that's that's every weekend in no, all, of the, all the summer months. I'm saying know? between right at the beginning of the year, January 1st, and August, they're going to shoot 2,000 arrows. I think that's high. You think that's high? I think that's high. I don't know. But I we, think we should well, take a poll. I think majority people don't even touch their bow till let's say June. Yeah. At the earliest. Yeah. Most people, the majority. Yeah. And uh, increases at, and up until two weeks before season. That number just grows and grows and grows. You see it. You go to the ranges. Yeah. Uh, activity on buy and bow gear site. You know anything? Any, yeah. Any Facebook page that's selling or look buying? at the broadhead shelves two weeks before season. Yeah. Every year. Good luck buying one. Right. You know my shit's tuned. Granted, I'm I'm figuring out my setup right now, and I'm still tuning for broadheads right now. But um, the arrows that that I'm going to be using, I haven't even hardly shot yet because they're no, I'm not even get into those. They're the budget bow challenge arrows, right? And um, right now, my my bow doesn't like them, so I'm gonna have to change some stuff about that. But long story short, I I typically shoot broadheads year round. Like I will make sure my bow, if I have some surprise opportunity to go hunting somewhere, I want to know that I can shoot that broadhead tomorrow or right now. Bear season's coming up in April. I'll be shooting broadheads before April, you know. I'll be shooting broadheads probably this weekend. It it targets outside of the shoot we're going to. That's a di- there's a difference between that and doing your bow two weeks before season, you yeah, know. That's that's where we are that's where we're different. I'm gonna pick up broadheads. Right in the month before bow season, I'm gonna I'm gonna hope that they shoot pretty close to my field tips. Nap hell razors. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going with. Uh, <laughs> if it isn't broke, don't fix They're it. They're such a bitch to sharpen, though. Yeah, they are. I'm afraid to move off of them, though. The mm. problem that is, when you've been burned, you don't forget <laughs> about it. And I've been burned, yeah. and I don't want to try anything new, right? Unless I'm trying it on an animal. Right. And these nap hell razors, I double lunged a bull. Yeah. Threw one rib cage out the other into a tree. It took two guys to pull the arrow out of the that. tree. Yep. I'm not going to forget that. Went through your deer shish kebab style yeah. this year. Let's flash back to Magnus Stingers <laughs> where <laughs> the thing just destroyed on impact. And uh, yep. I lost a bull. A nice, my first, would have been my first bull at right. the time. It was it was a sour, sour taste. I wish I would have got that shot on film too so I could go back and watch it. But Because um, I, I didn't get to see it. I just got to see the aftermath and everything, and and we're not trying to talk bad about anybody. I'm gonna kind of cover my ass here. I I like Magnus products. I just don't like all of their products. Let's cover yeah. my ass. I shot <laughs> Magnus stingers. I'll never do it again. That's a fact. That's <laughs> you know I, I neither will I. You know I might shoot a black hornet or something, but I, no, you're not gonna see me shooting that. Um, but and, and it's a great company. You know, like Mike's a great guy, but. It is what it is. I, I can't. I can't be ashamed of our experience with it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, but there's there's a difference between. Okay, so how good do you need to be, in your opinion, to go out and shoot? It entirely depends. On, to go hunting. It entirely depends on. It depends on a lot of things. Okay. First being, um, what what happens when when you're confronted with an, a situation to kill an animal? Uh huh. What happens to you? Mm-hmm. You know, you can't practice for that. That's not something you're going to go learn at the range. You're right. not going to learn how your body shakes when there's a bull 28 right. yards away bugling right in front of you broadside. Right. There's no training for that. That only happens when it happens. 
Now let's just pretend that doesn't happen at all. How good do you have to be to be fair mm-hmm. and uh, ethical to that animal mm-hmm. to make a good shot? You better put two weeks of shooting in pretty close to when you're hunting them. Right. And you better have done it before. If you've never done it before, you probably need to have six months of on and off shooting. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that as a hunter, I would have no problem with somebody taking a shot at an animal with all the anxiety and and and, and adrenaline effects aside. If that weren't, weren't a factor, and that mm-hmm. depends on the person. That's a person-by-person basis. I would have no problem with somebody taking a shot at an animal. At 40 yards, 50 yards tops yeah, you're with, keep with the, some practice. You're going to keep the distance. And then for some people, that's way beyond their max yeah. distance. You know, That's all you really learn. If you put more and more and more time into this, what's the only thing you like doing now? You don't, you're not still stacking 30-yard 30, you know, 30 targets up with arrows that are you're just smacking arrows. No. You can only do that for so long. Right. You know, that, that's not fun anymore. I remember when we did Now we're even... shooting 100 <laughs> yards for fun, and we're getting pretty damn good at it. And when I say we, I mean you. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> but I, we, I've been there. I don't you even know, have a 100 pin anymore. No, that's not an animal killing. That's, that's not a, a, a hunting situation shot. Right. But it's, for the, you know, if you can accurately make a 120-yard shot with yeah. a, with a, on a target, yeah. a 53-yard a shot on a bull is nothing. Is nothing. That's right. that's where your pra- that's that's way the practice grows. You know, it's it, you're good enough after a short amount of time. You're great after a lot of time and effort. A lot of arrows. So, Mike, I guess my question is, if if you had to pin yourself down, because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lead you into something here. If you had to pin yourself down to a certain size group at say 40 yards, uh, what would and, and and that would be deciding if you could be effective at that range what would be your expectation i would say i don't know how big's one and a half elk hearts <laughs> i'd seven say inches yeah ah that's fair seven inches seven inch group at 100 at 40 yards okay if you're doing that nine times out of ten i'm glad you said seven inches okay i'm gonna lead you into another area here where would you some guys like to aim really tight against the shoulder in that magic triangle area right where the uh kind of the the bone kind of goes 45 up towards the elk's like neck right and then it cuts back on the shoulder blade right some guys like to aim for that pocket right there and if they're shooting a seven inch group which is just smaller than a pie plate pie plates are typically about eight inches right paper plate yeah if you're hugging 10 10 inches if you're hugging that and you say you draw a dot on a piece of paper okay that's that is your spot on that bowl that you are now aiming and then here's the shoulder blade. Yeah, there's a lot of non-lethal area okay. in ten inches around that. If I understand what you're saying. You're shooting a seven-inch group. I know. I know you. You know where I'm going with this now. If you're shooting a seven-inch group, you're about four inches into that, uh, three inches into that shoulder now. I'm saying, if you're somebody that <laughs> has a spot picked out, you're trying to aim for on a yeah. bull, uh-huh. and you know what the effect on that animal is going to be when mm-hmm. an arrow passes through it, and you just it's just a sweet spot. You're not somebody that hasn't practiced. Right. I so, agree. you know what the vitals look like? There's a lot of graphs out there on Facebook. Pull it up. Yeah. It's about a foot and a half wide by by maybe a little more narrow, yeah. you know, uh, horizontally. I know one Shoot, of the... In the middle of that, you have six inches of error either any direction. Right. And uh, it, weird things happen, too, sometimes. You might get lucky. But if you're right in there somewhere, yeah, within seven inches, eight inches, nine inches even of the perfect shot... Mm-hmm. 
things happen and elk die. It, it right. I'm not worried about that where, at all. Where I shot I this bull. I miss by a lot more, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Where I, where I shot this bull, it's going to sound really bad. Where I shot this bull this year was where I aim. <laughs> okay, I know that sounds uh, basic and, and obvious, but I hit that thing where I was aiming. Okay, so if, you, I, if I posted a picture of that, you're going to see that I have about five inches until I'm into the shoulder, maybe six inches, like you said, that I'm into the shoulder. I'm not hugging that shoulder that hard, that hard at all. I don't, I mean, that magic triangle is fantastic. That's great. But you're decreasing your margin of error for a lethal shot when even six inches back, you're increasing your margin of error with a lethal shot. I, I understand shooting the magic triangle. It's cool. It's fantastic. Yeah, it looks great when you post a picture and it looks like the blood's coming out the shoulder, but it's not because you, you hit that sweet little pocket right there. Guys love posting pictures where the blood looks like it's coming straight out of the shoulder. I get it, right? But now you just, you know, you decreased your margin of error. Shit happens. Stuff moves. You, you can veer off of a branch. I aimed about right where I like to hit an elk, and that's because even though I'm capable of making a good shot at a distance, right? I'm capable of it. I still understand shit freaking happens. Let's increase our margin of error. I'm going to give myself the best chance to make a shitty shot and still kill that bull. And in my opinion, a shitty shot is two or three inches off of where I'm aiming. You know, that's, yeah. that's for me, I don't well, like, we're I don't talking like about that. Elk situations. Yeah. We're talking about that are 35, 40 yards. Like, Right. Like typically, what do you think average would be? 30? 30? Average 35? elk shot? Probably, I was thinking 40. Well, it depends, depends where you're hunting. Uh, it uh, depends on who you are. Coast? Anyway. Yeah. 20 so, yards, 30 yards. I'll say this. You're, if you practiced every day for three, four, five years, mm -hmm. and you shot 600 arrows a day, <laughs> you're only going to master 20% of what I think elk hunting is. Mm. And that's preparation. And I think situation is the other 80. Situational? Because. You, with having a broadside bull doesn't it's not just a guarantee you know right. you're not going to have a shot at all you're not going to use that perfection that you've mastered if a right. bull doesn't give you a shot and they often don't well, what about that seven inch group at 40 yards or uh some guys take front, I, i've had guys message me um and i'm not bagging on anybody but i've had uh after posting about the arrows and stuff this year a lot of guys use that setup um real, a lot being relative i don't know how many but there was quite a few guys that had i use that arrow combination Absolutely decimated the elk pass through. Okay. Some guys were shooting shit at like, I think 60 yards frontal. I'm like, holy shit, that's a long way. Yeah. Right. That margin of error, that seven inch margin of error, if you're off four inches on a, on a margin of error, if you put the bullseye in the middle of that pocket, you what got three, four inches margin of error in one way. Well, prospectively, if somebody's shooting a seven-inch group and they're missing by as much as seven inches yeah. at 40 yards, yeah. you extend that out to 60 yards, and we're talking about a foot and a half or more. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's why I'm saying 40 yards at a seven-inch group. Yeah. You know, seven inches is toleration. You know, if you're missing by a one and a half, if you're missing your target completely, a, a broadhead target, or yeah. a, if you're completely missing it half the time, you've exceeded what your ability has <laughs> limited you to. <laughs> so take it back to where you can hit within seven inches, right. five out of five times, four out of five times. And I, I, I as a hunter, I think that that's pretty Proving ethical. Yourself. You know, it's like, okay, I, I make this shot all the time at the range. It's 40 yards. Yeah. And, and well, I, I'm always within about six or seven inches, but that's 
Take that shot. Would you not take that shot? I'm letting it go. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you, what we're talking about here is effective range, and that's what yeah. people, you know, your first shot, cold bore, cold bow, whatever you want to call it, your first shot is your effective range. Can you put it on target? That's that's what a lot of guys would say is 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 that your effective range, and I call bullshit on that. I've done that. I, don't, I never hang my hat. This is just me being anal retentive here. I never hang my hat on one arrow. Okay, I take you out to the range. I'm a guide. Okay. I, I hear this all the time. Guys want to know that you can shoot. Okay. Shoot that target at 60 yards. If Or how far can you shoot? Oh, I can shoot 80, Mr. Client. Okay. Mr. Guide, I can shoot 80. Show me on that Reinhardt. You can shoot 80 yards. Okay. Boom. They put it pretty damn close in there. They put it in the big yellow ring. Okay. Yeah, I guess you can shoot 80 yards. You're really going to hang that off of one arrow? Like, I don't agree with that. Like, if you're going to show me, show me three arrows in that vital right now. Never hang your hat on one arrow. And that's why I disagree with how guys get their effective range. I just don't agree with it. Like, you can go out there, you can justify shooting 80 yards because you put one arrow on paper when you have... Why don't you shoot more arrows and prove it to yourself? You're worried you're going to miss? You know, like, I I, I don't know. It's probably going to rub some guys the wrong way. But I don't judge my effective range by that. I judge my effective range is shooting half of Archer's MOA. That is... And I don't always do it. I... I, probably more times than not right now, currently, the way I'm shooting, I probably wouldn't do that. What uh, Archer's MOA is, is shooting, it's like MOA. It's like, you know what MOA is. It's one minute. One inch. One inch. Yeah, yeah. Archer's MOA one is. One foot. At, it would be uh, one inch at 10 yards, two inches at right. 20 yards. One foot at 100. Uh, 10 inches or at 10. 100, right? So I'd like to shoot a four inch group at 80 yards. Right now, I'm not doing that. I'm not shooting that good. I just I gotta change some things on my bow. Like for example, my peep with that new sight is too big, and so I'm having a really tough time aligning a smaller housing to a, a bigger peep. But long story short, I liked shooting two cans, which I believe is like three inches or two and a half inches. It's three. Three. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. You you were there when we were we were shooting two cans at eighty yards regularly. Like I think when I had my halon or something, it was like three out of five arrows would be on the two can on average, and then maybe the other two would be just barely off of it. That's the difference. That's the difference, everybody. Hitting two can, three-inch target at 80 yards, <laughs> more times than not, yeah. is what all these extra hours and all these days, day in and day out, get you at, yeah. a, bow, at a bow range. Right. And you're not going to just do that right away. Right. And but, I'm not saying that, oh, wow, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, the guys can do that. It whacks my ass right now if I went to the range and, they, and they're doing what I was doing and I'm not doing it right now. I'm just saying that's what I expected of myself because I was going by that rule. If the bullseye is here, I'm shooting an eight-inch group, you know, at – FMOA. Yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm in the shoulder blade if I'm not doing that, right? right. Guys are like, okay, well, I, I just – I don't agree with one arrow. And I get what guys are saying, you know, with the effective range. Shoot one arrow fresh, and that's, you know, that's your real-life hunting situation because you're only going to get one shot, and you're going to be cold. I get it, but that's stupid. Well, here's the thing, you know – I, your last podcast, it was about the technology and yeah, the, how the, far yeah. the bow will let you shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your bow will be lethal at 120, 130, 150 yards. Right. It would be technically lethal, but you would not be effective with it unless you put in a lot and a, a ton of work. And even, right. you know, from, from kind of a casual shooter's perspective, 80 yards mm-hmm. is way too far. It's a long shot. There's too many things that can go wrong. There's too much time it takes for the arrow to get there. The moment can change in a second. They can mm-hmm. smell something they don't like, turn to leave, and your arrow's been traveling for a, minute, a second and a half. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not good. And, you know, the bow is lethal at those ranges, but the shooter's not without the practice. Right. 
With it takes. Well, yeah. that buck I shot this year in all transparency. Looking back at how bad I was shooting, and comparative to the other bows that I've had, I was I was shooting good, but I wasn't. If I was competing against myself with my synergy, I don't think if I was shooting that good with my that bad with my synergy, I would have took that shot. But you know, I I don't know. I I still struggle with myself and with my own ethics and, and my own shot capability because that arrow was pretty far off from the mark i hit it that I, you know i spined that deer i don't know why it's because i didn't bubble out good enough and the range um the range was far but i didn't bubble out far enough and i and i i just i ranged it it was slightly uphill and i should have minus two yards for it just just stupid i just got in a hurry and wanted to shoot well that's it. because there's an animal on the line yeah if it were a target just sitting there oh i would have you would have de- with 100% guarantee, I could say you wouldn't have missed by as much. No, no. And, uh, I, I bet I would have been in the lungs, easily in the lungs. Yeah. Um, and well, that sounds cocky, I know. But I I shoot enough to to know what I'm capable of, you know. Like, you know. I, I just, I shouldn't, I, 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 sh- I can't say I shouldn't have because he's hanging right there. He's dead and he died, you know, 50 yards from where I shot him, technically. But, you know, I did have to put another one in him, which yeah. I'm not proud of. I think that's the first animal I had to do that. No. Second animal I've ever had to put another arrow in to kill it, which is a uh, you know good. Right. It's a good thing that's where you hit him. That's what happened. And but that 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 yeah. There's just no guarantee. You know, there's no. no guarantee the guy that put the most time and effort in doesn't, doesn't make a Doesn't shot. have something weird happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, you hear about the uh, professional competitors that can't shoot a deer worth a shit because that just the nerves get to them. But yet they shoot under extreme pressure, but it it's just not transferring over for them there. No, you know. And so I, I like to shoot steel targets at 60. I like to shoot in front of people. I like to shoot on video. I like to shoot if I can if uh, if I ever get a chance to live stream shoot so people can see me. Like if I can add pressure in a scenario to where if I screw up, people are going to see it. People are going to know, right? I like that added pressure. I like shooting novelty shoots because there's people watching. It adds pressure on it. My heart's beating a little bit faster. I'm worried about not looking like a freaking retard in front of everybody. You know, like. <laughs> Can can Garrett really back up what he's saying? He can shoot, you know, and it's just I just like putting myself in those higher pressure situations because I feel like for me it does kind of transfer over. If I know, because on that buck, my adrenaline was up, my heartbeat was up on that bull. I was on him too long. I my heart was beating harder for that buck than it was the bull, right? I mean, because I was on that bull for two and a half hours before I shot him, two hours at least, and uh, I just. I'm constantly trying to find ways to put myself under that pressure. And that's another th- difference between a casual shooter and somebody that shoots all the time and is trying to train. Uh, I will say this though. It can't just be this or that. It has to be a spectrum because I could train leg day every day of the year, squat, bench press, deadlift, run, hike, everything. And I'm still not going to outpack you. And I'm still sure as hell not going to fucking outpack Anthony He's got like that retard strength in his legs. I do not understand it. <laughs> uh, but you and Anthony are hard to keep up with with meat on your back. I Extremely hard. And I train legs and I pack and I run. I remember you telling me when, when I was training um, or just going to the gym all the time like two years ago or a year ago. You're like, dude, you're going to burn yourself out. What are you doing? Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still going at it, you know, like, but it's, it's, God, you know, like I could train on my weak areas and still never be strong. Uh, as strong as somebody in one of their strong areas that it's natural. So it, what areas would you, where I'm leading into this, what areas would you, from a casual perspective, want to be 
the best at going into season? Probably the one thing that you can't really prepare for. I would like to know that I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a mistake because of nerves or adrenaline. Mm. And I, I would, I would love to, I would love to know that how I'm going to handle, you know, and I, and I, it's, it's gotten better. And that's the only thing that makes it better is being in the situation over and over and over again. Right. You're going to have to lose some bulls. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to kill some, you're going to lose some, some weird stuff's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to shank some shots. That stuff happens without any way to prepare for it. You're not, it never means as much as when it's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, there's just no, there's no way to replicate that when the, there's no training exercise that's going right. to, you're going to know. Unless you can be tricked into thinking you're killing the bull you're going to kill and somebody says, oh, this is just a test run. That's not yeah. a real bull. <laughs> that's not the real bull. That's a fake that's bull. That's a mechanical so. bull. <laughs> yeah. You know, what you're talking about there is something that I struggled with for probably six or eight years. And I, I think... Um, I was saying, I think I've overcome it, but I, on this mule deer this year, I, it got to me getting that shot off because you feel like you only have that much time to get the shot off because, uh, if you take your time and make that controlled shot, that animal's not going to be there. And I, I failed and I, and I can all honestly, I failed this year with that mule deer for, um, for what I preach and what I talk about. And and that's why I'm still talking about it. It pisses me off because I work to not do that shit, but when I when I started bow hunting um, and on this mule deer this year, I would draw back on an animal and I would try and get that shot off as soon as that pin would be steady. I just boom gun done. There would be no no more than two seconds of steady holding time on that on that thing. It'd be as soon as it's on there done like that that quick. Well, that 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 that, that doesn't not work. You know, if you feel it, if it, you feel that shot, you feel right. like it's going to be effective, and you believe it. Right. And that's kind of the reason you shoot. That's what else can you say? That's right. That's, you know, if you think that's all you have, that's all right. You know, none of that means anything. If you believe this, this is the shot. This is, this is the shot. This is the one. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's, I feel good enough about it. And you let it go. The problem is when people are letting stuff go because they're just taking a Hail Mary at at, at something. (laughs) This is it. You know, if I don't do something, I'm definitely, if I don't shoot, I'm definitely not going to hit it. Right. You know, that's the kind of thing that, you can't re. You well, don't know how you're going to react when 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 it's the time. Well, I just feel like a lot of people are wounding these animals in in. Um, and I feel bad bringing bringing them up as an example, but on the first born uh, born and raised land of the free, um, there was multiple um, bulls that were shot bad because that pin would get right on the vitals and they would be swinging into the sh- like they'd, they'd be moving the pin onto the vitals and as soon as it got anywhere near those vitals, they'd punch it right. Um, and since then, they've worked on it, and they've gotten better. And you notice it didn't really happen this year on the Land of the Free. I don't think it happened once this year on the Land of the Free. That's what I'm talking about. Like, not when I draw when I draw back now versus when I started bow hunting minus that freaking mule deer uh, this year. I draw back, and I don't know if I'm going to shoot when I draw back. You know, I tell myself, "You're so screwed. You're dead." You know, I I I believe that with all my heart, but I still haven't told myself. For sure, I'm going to. Shoot. If you're going into that knowing you're going to shoot, you're you're going to punch it. I'm sorry, you're going to rush it. I I'm I'm literally now analyzing the situation as it comes, minus the mule there, um, making sure that I'm holding steady. Like that bull I lost last year, I think. I, long story short, I think it was two three yards farther than what I thought. I didn't have time to range him, and uh, I was on that bull for probably eight seconds before I shot. Just and then that other bull. Um, that first or second year, you and I went over to Eastern Oregon, that big five point. Yep. 
I've, another one of the most proud shots I've ever had. Sailed it in long story short, it's kind of my D loop was sliding around. Um, sailed it right over his back, but I held on that bull forever. And one of the, the biggest uh, buck I peeled with my bow this year, I'm least proud of that. I want to say least proud of that buck. I'm least proud of that shot out of any shot I've ever made on an animal. It just bothers the shit out of me. <laughs> That's the way that goes. Yeah. Nothing's going to slap that sour taste out of your mouth and make you never want to do it again. Getting a good shot execution on, on another animal it, wouldn't. Doing it. The only thing yeah. that's going to keep you from doing it is doing having it. done it in the first place. Yeah. And it happened to me, and it's not something somebody can coach you on. Right. You know, that same five point you're talking about. When yeah. he came back around, and this is something that I can't believe I did, <laughs> but he came back I around. can't believe you didn't shoot him. <laughs> he, did, he didn't give me a shot, and I didn't take a shot. Yeah. Because there was nothing there, and this is like year two yeah. of doing this. And I'll, this is like the first bull I've ever had. He was had. what, 15 yards? He was he was 23, I oh, think. 23? 23, and I could have tried to shoot him in the spine. I could have tried to shoot him in the neck, and I was you know, I was new at this whole thing. It's just not thing. worth it. And I just, you know, and one thing you got to remember is that when they're coming in, there's no reason to think they're not going to keep coming in. Right. When they're moving and they're not running away, there's no reason to think they're not going to keep moving and give you a better shot. And if they give you a shot that you can make, and that's a determination you have to make on the spot. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of hindsight and a lot of retrospect on, on on every situation. But when you know, you know. And the next year, I did lose this bull, and I completely blame it on the broadheads. Magnus Stingers, by the way. <laughs> I'll never buy them again. Fact. <laughs> God. I'm going to get somebody <laughs> pissed off about that. But. Anyway. Anyway. Go on. <laughs> I, I, on that bull, I settled right in, and I found, you know, he was standing, his front shoulders were in line with a with a pretty good size 12 inch mm-hmm. uh, ponderosa or something. And I knew I needed to miss that to sneak it right into his vitals where I wanted it. When I let that arrow go, I saw my knock and fletchings miss it by maybe three quarters of an inch or an inch. And I just missed it. And I did mm-hmm. exactly what I wanted. And the arrow disappeared right into his vitals. And oh my God, he wheeled around and took off. Mm-hmm. And I started. I threw everything down. I waited for you to show up, and and I was forty five minutes later. <laughs> I was stoked. I was on cloud nine. Yeah, and uh, we ended up finding my destroyed arrow. My basically looked like a field tip with all the metal mm-hmm. had being broken off, but it was a pass through. We thought because we think on the right. It was on the, si- the opposite side of the entry wound. Right. Anyway, it was just it was a bad scenario. But what I did on that shot, I was still proud of because. I couldn't have just plunked it, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, he was standing there broadside, and I could have easily gut shot him. I could easily, yeah. made a, I could have easily killed him and never found him. Uh, I mean, and maybe uh, the way we tracked that bull, I don't think he died, but I still was proud of the shot. It's next year the same thing, and I hadn't forgotten what it's like to to have a bull in your in your pen right there in your little housing where your mm-hmm. <laughs> in your pen's just floating around, shaking all over the place, mm-hmm. and then the bull I did kill. I remember, oh, <laughs> and I almost shot, uh-huh. and I realized how how out of control I was, mm-hmm. and I stopped, and I leveled out, and I waited, and I just dropped my 30 pin. He was 28, and I didn't know that. That's another thing. Mm-hmm. How effective your range is is going to depend on how well you know the range. <laughs> so we'll double back to that. Yeah. I knew... You know, first uh, top pin is a top pin shot, and you always know that. Mm-hmm. And it was 28. I shot him for 30, and I shot about an inch and a half higher than I wanted. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Yeah. And I double yeah. lunged him, and he, da- he died in 20 yards. 
Yeah. But I, it was a second, wasn't a second attempt necessarily, but it, it caught myself, straightened out. What are you doing? You're not going to let another one get away. Mm-hmm. Do it this time. This time it's, this time you're not going to, you're not going to kick yourself in the ass for a whole entire year. Right. Take away variables, take away mistakes. And what are you left with? Success. Like you're not going to have, you got to, you got to delete them as they come up. It's like pop-ups. That was the <laughs> like, first bull you and I had ever killed together. It was, and it was me to do it. Yeah. What'd you feel like? A casual when, when shooter that, that doesn't practice every day. Yeah. What'd that feel like after four years of failure? I not I can't say failure of not killing a bull. Well, you know, it was it was it was probably the highlight of my hunting life for sure. Mm-hmm. With the stigma, uh, you know, you hadn't yet killed a bull either. But it's like every time we ran into a bugling bull, you're like sending me after it. <laughs> you know, I was like get 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 a position, get yeah. ready. You know, get ready. You know, uh-huh. it's like you were trying to get me a bull first. Yeah. I never forgot what that felt like. You know, it's like could I've done it without you? I probably wouldn't have done it without you. I probably wouldn't have found somebody else that was willing to go over there and chase him around with me. Mm-hmm. You know, hand feed me a bull that we either one of us probably could have killed mm-hmm. with a plan that we agreed on, like was the best <laughs> thing to do. Either one of us would have killed the bull. Oh yeah, walked right by you. But you know, you you, you were gonna rake, and you sent. You told me go after him. I'm not gonna argue with you. <laughs> go after. <laughs> no, I would ideally I'd like to kill a bull. Same here, both of us. Yeah. And this last year we came close. We both shot one. But I mean, you, you killed yours and mine. Same sad situation. Shoulder shot. Yeah. No penetration. Lost a pretty. It's about the same size bull. Really? Not not monster. I don't need a monster. I don't need that at all. It's just so hard to do for me that I'm satisfied. Maybe a spike. I wouldn't be quite as happy with a spike. <laughs> but a branch bull. Uh-huh. If you put a branch bull down with a bow, it's not. Try it. If you think it's easy, try it. That's all I'm going to say. Right. You know, it's it's not a gimme. Hmm. It's not like deer. And I think deer is a gimme, especially when we're talking about rifle hunting, mm-hmm. which is kind of what I, you know, if I didn't say that before, <laughs> rifle hunting is what I'm talking about. Bow oh. hunting and deer is a lot of fun. And, yeah. And it's funner because it's harder. Right. And that's. No struggle, no story kind of thing, right? right? Nope. It's all about pride. You know, how proud are you that you got on one exit? Traveled up the freeway and got off the next one. You know, pretty easy, right? Pretty yeah. easy shit. Uh-huh. Is there, are you proud of that? <laughs> I mean, everybody well, else did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to bag on, on another because I still rifle hunt. I like it. But like Idaho last year, God, it was like you were a bow hunting. It was so, you had to earn it every step. It was steep ass country. There's no road hunting. If you wanted to road hunt there, I think you could literally road hunt all season where we were at and not kill a buck. Because they're they're so pressured. Yeah, yeah. That's, off the main drag, that's just not the same thing. Area by area basis, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But in um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's just, and maybe for somebody's first year, or their you know their first couple years of hunting, that would be like the highlight of their hunting thing. It's just oh, that's just where we're at right, right right now. You know, some guys like you picked up a trad bow, and that is like even making it more hard and more technical. But that's where you're at. You wanna you wanna just get that feeling. I got it done with a freaking stick. Well, that's that's where this is where it kind of loses me for the the all the time practicing shooting bows. You know, right? It's like because I I have a bil- an ability to be, you know, with the amount of time. If I put it the same amount of time in as you do, I would outshoot your ass all the time. I think you would agree to that. I agree with that, hundred percent. But because I don't, and here's the reason I don't: 
mm-hmm. because the improvements get so insignificant. Mm-hmm. They do, they still exist, but they're insignificant. And I lose interest when improvement backs off. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I can pick up anything and learn it pretty quick and get decent at it. And it always has been that way. But to see it dive off like that, you know, like you learn most of what you learn in a couple of days of shooting compound bows and the rest, it's just downhill from there. It's like, <laughs> how good do I need to be? Like, yeah, I can hit this bullseye every damn time. Like mm-hmm. at 30 yards, 40 yards, it's like a, a, a one inch black dot, you know, stabbing it. You mm-hmm. know, it gets a little harder when you get out there. That's where the rest of that stuff comes in. But it's like, I'm lethal. I'm, 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 I'm comfortable. My form's good. All that stuff. You know, if you don't have any underlying problem, no real, some, you know, say a shoulder injury or something you're mm-hmm. trying to work through or, you know, some big thing holding you back. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you need to be, see, I love hunting. I don't like practicing as much. <laughs> I like 3D shoots. Those are fun, entertaining. It's competition. Yeah. I'm competitive We're as doing hell. it this weekend. But target shooting and practice is, is almost like labor. And I do a, enough damn labor during the week i don't want to be out there laboring on the weekends yeah. it's that for me i don't think like when it comes to guns when's the last time you or i at all you know unless we're talking long guns mm-hmm. go out to the range and you're shooting one 200 yards it's a bullseye every it's damn not time even fun it's not why is that fun why is it fun to it's get on i5 and then get off at the next exit it's just, it's going it's a guarantee yeah. it's not fun yeah what's fun is a challenge What's fun is com- competition, right? And that's why 3D shoots to me are a lot more fun than they're fun practicing at the range. I need to practice at the range before season for a certain amount of time before I feel good enough to go out there and take shots at animals, right? And also confidence going in. Confidence is key, you know. If you're not stressing about that, about your 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 capability and your skill level, you're in a lot better place. You're worried about finding a bull. Finding the bull becomes the next hardest thing because all that stuff's taken care of. <laughs> you're all done practicing. You're, you, you're, you're confident in your skill. The hardest part of this whole thing is the situation. How do you make that situation better for you as a hunter? You've already got the skill part down. That's the, the next 80%. The biggest chunk is getting an elk, providing yourself an optimal situation. You know, and then we could talk about calling. But mm-hmm. I'm not an expert on calling. Right. And uh, that's where, you know, <laughs> also just uh, sometimes it's like either way. You know, it's like 50-50. We can try this or we can try this. We, we just don't know. It's like a, it's, mm-hmm. it's right down the middle. To the best of our, both of our knowledge, it's 50-50 crapshoot. Making those right decisions sometimes feel like the right one. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it right. is. Uh, it, you just never know. It's Well, with calling, um, my experience with calling and, and especially with uh, – Mike, when uh, I shot that nice big bull and hit him, I think low, I don't know. Um, I, you know, he, I was showing him how to bugle on the way in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a bull bugling. It is exactly what we said was going to happen. All right, I'm going to get a bull bugling, and then I'm going to bum rush that cocksucker because what these things have been doing is that they'll bugle and then they're gone. Like, they'll, they'll bump out 200 yards and they will never let you close that distance. And, uh, and it was a really pressured area. And uh, so I'm like, okay, they're answering, but they're not letting, they, they're just kind of like, hey, I'm here, but I don't want to mess around with anybody. So I'm like, I'm going to bum rush that cocksucker. If he, I'm like, I, I brought my running shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm like, all you need to do is sound good enough. I don't even want you to sound good. Just make a sound that sounds like a bugle or like you're trying to bugle. Keep that ball bugling because if he's answering you, 
you know, he's going to probably be moving off, but as long as he can hear you, he's going to answer. And if you sound anything like a bugle that far away, he'll probably answer exactly what happened, right? You didn't have to be good. You just had to be good enough. And he can make a, a, a sound that sounded semi like a bugle. Granted, if, if I made, if I made him um, bugle on, you know, on, on here and here when he started, he'd be like, that's probably one of the worst bugles I've ever heard. He's never going to kill anything. No, you have to be good enough. And I'd rather know what to say and when to say it rather than knowing exactly how to make that call. If I don't know if that makes sense. Like you don't have to sound very good to kill a bull so, and call him in. Yeah, that's not that's not as big a part as the right. whole and the whole spec scope of things. Right. Sometimes it's like it kind of, you know, there is a point where it's bad enough that it doesn't sound like a bugle <laughs> at all, and they they're not going to respond to it. There is a, a point, but I think anybody, right, anybody could pick up a, a, a bugle mm-hmm. tube and a, and a reed and and get that sound after a couple like this like a shooting thing. It could be good enough in a short amount of time, yeah. especially when someone's like not even close. Try again. Not even close. Try again. <laughs> a little better. You suck. <laughs> more like this. You know. Right. Use yeah. more tongue. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Giggity. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, you know, the the thing behind, you know, I don't know if you've heard the, any of the episodes with Mike Patisse from Elk Calling Academy. No, having, having just pay $30 to learn from a guy that's a, literally, I, I would call an elk calling expert, not like one that is, he's, a, he's an expert. He competes in the world championships and stuff, but... Like the, um, I know, God, my vocabulary sucks tonight. The uh, understanding of what an elk call is saying at that time, what this bugle means versus that bugle. Comprehension. Compre- yeah, comprehension. Um, paying $30 to get comprehension would be way, worth way more than sounding like a professional elk. That's one way. You know, I believe that 100%. Having been in the woods and heard a lot of bugles, uh, some of those bulls sound like horrible. Doesn't it sound like shit? Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, yeah. I think you and I have had arguments like, that's fucking hundred. I'm not going after that. Yeah. And you're like, dude, that's a bugle. We're going after it. And you know then I, that bull you killed. I wouldn't, I, I almost like a, passed a, it a up. a moo cow is what I thought it was. <laughs> I'm like, dude, there's no way that's a bull. And I'm like, well, we don't have anything else to go after right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the whole thing. It's it's They're so half-assed half the time. Yeah. He could have been laying down. They don't seem to give a shit what they sound like. No. So And it's and you can hear the same bull do it three, four different ways. You yeah. know, their, bull, their bugles, sometimes you can tell, oh, that's the same bull. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's just half-assed bugles. And yeah. It, so... Why do you have to be perfect to you don't. fool them? You don't. If you, if you really wanted to fool them, maybe you'd just be totally nonchalant and, you know, make it sound like a bugle, but, you know, relaxed. Yeah. You know, not perfect every time. Like, oh, that's a perfect bugle. How many perfect bugles have you ever heard in the woods? A lot when the, uh, when a hunter's making them. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Nine times out of There's ten. There's a lot of great elk, elk buglers out there, but they're not calling an elk. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, but, so... I guess what we'll start wrapping this thing up here, the, the spectrum of, of how good do you have to be, you know, it's kind of funny that we're going over this because the, the name of the podcast is on point. You need to, you know, know <laughs> your shit and be on top of your gear and be, you know, the best that you can be. But for some people that the best they can be is only a month before season when, when they have that little extra time, they they can scrape away from work and the kids and knowing what to work on with that limited time, God, that's that's on point for them. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge probably number of people. Most can, people, like you know, hobbies are. It's getting to be 
where you can have fewer and fewer hobbies because they're all getting more expensive. Right. And I think the demand for work is is getting a little higher. You know, I mean, yeah, things may be good right now, but that people are working a lot. You know, it's vacation yeah. time is, is is scarcity and it's rare. You know, like I would say a percentage of people taking their vacation time to go hunting around here. Right. You know, it's probably pretty pretty decent chunk of people. Yeah. At least for for one thing or another. But if you want to dial that down to bow hunting, it gets pretty slim. Yeah. So you're trying to talk about a bunch of people. Putting in for the same week. Or taking what they can get (laughs) when it comes to bow hunting. Yeah. Especially if they're just thinking about getting into it. They're not taking weeks off work to to go do it. Yeah. But weekends, whatever day off you have, spend a little bit of time at the range. Make sure it's pretty close to season. You Mm -hmm. you don't want to be doing it in January and then not do it for for seven months, eight months. Right. But get your fundamentals down. You know, it's not too late right now, March 21st, to never have touched a bow and go kill an elk oh, in September. Easily. It's not, yeah, not even. Easily. You know, a couple weekends here and there, a little more closer to season. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not even a stretch at all to say that. Right. You know, if you, especially if you go with somebody that knows, you know, an area where elk hang out, you know, that's the biggest part of it too is where you choose to hunt. You know, you're not going to just do it anywhere. You go where somewhere, somewhere where elk are and you might have a stab at it, you know, and, right. it's, and it, if nothing else, you might have an opportunity. And then those opportunities are almost as fun as killing them. It's like having a bull in range that never gives you a shot, but bugled. And, to me, that's a success. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's another level. Yeah. It's like, you don't get this extreme shot of adrenaline and this big rush when you shoot and kill a bull. You just keep it from the moment he got close to you. You ride it out for longer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, I mean, yeah, of course it's great and it, it does take a step up, but you're already there, you know, and he comes anywhere near you and he's bugling and he's getting closer. You're getting closer to him or you're even seeing elk. It gets you there. It's, it's all fun. Right. It doesn't have to be a successful hunt to be a successful hunt. No, I agree. It's not all about killing. It's like a famous Fred Bear quote, you know, a hunt solely based on killing of an animal or whatever falls short of what a truly a hunt is truly about or something like that. So, and I'm paraphrasing like shit here, but that's basically what it is a, or a hunt solely based on killing an animal falls short of what hunting is. And, uh, you know, for, for the guys that have the limited time, I guess in my summary would be become effective and efficient and comp- confident and competent with your bow, whether that takes you 500 shots, 200 shots, whatever it may be, prove to yourself with broadheads, I would have broadheads down a month before season. Know that you're shooting good groups with broadheads. And then make sure that you are competent and you've shot in the scenarios where wear what you're going to wear, right? I, I what My big thing is getting rid of the errors that occur during season before season. Like, get rid of those errors. Oh, I hit my sleeve. Dude, you should have known you're going to hit your sleeve before that even got out there. You know, that's my opinion. You should know that your uh, bino harness got in the way of your string before you got out there. You should see how you shoot after well, maybe walking four yeah. or five miles. Know how you're shooting after you're out of breath yeah. or know how you're shooting after a minute of holding your bow back. Like These are things that I want to be good and efficient at before I get out there. Also, um, maybe hike around with your pack on. You know, When you go shoot your bow, hike around with 50 pounds in your pack for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. You're going to be sore if you haven't done it, right? Get rid of that soreness before season. Because nothing sucks when you wake up out of your tent and you're sore as shit. Your feet, your feet hurt. Your back hurts. Your your hams hurt. Your quads hurt. That sucks. 
and then walking around with somebody that's in shape, that freaking sucks, you know? So for me, it would be, uh, it would really honestly be being able to put that arrow where it needs to go, being a broadhead tipped arrow where it needs to go. Um, and then also having the, like you said, the physical capabilities of being able to get an elk out two miles in. If you can't get an elk out and you shot it and it's going to waste, what's the point? Well, I don't know. Um, I think anybody can can carry 15 pounds uh, 20 times, you know. Or, two two or, miles? I mean, what if you're what if you're two miles in and you can't carry – you carry a quarter out a time. That's probably, I don't know, 80 pounds. Take two, three days. Take what – you know, I mean, well, depending how, on the weather. If it can – yeah, if it can last that weather, long out there. Uh, you, you know, I just don't see – it doesn't even occur to me that – you could an elk could spoil that a, because a first time hunter killed him in such a bad spot. It doesn't even occur to me that that's a possibility because, man, if it's your first year time ever chasing elk and you end up <laughs> six seven miles from the truck and it's all uphill mm-hmm. one way or the other, and uh, oh man, what do we do now? Well, you you just go until until it's done. Yeah. <laughs> well, like well, where Anthony um, like the spot how hot and warm it was when Anthony killed his or Shelby killed her bull. Yeah. It wouldn't take very long for that bull to spoil. No, it probably would have been not that good by the end of that day because right. it was early. Probably enough. would have been done by the end of the next morning. So, if we could say anything about that, yeah. If you're not in peak physical shape or at least decent physical shape, don't yeah. hunt more than two miles from the truck. <laughs> <laughs> don't make sure it's not too. Yeah. If you got there and it kicked your ass to get there, maybe. <laughs> Don't kill a bull, <laughs> like, <laughs> or have a spot to stash it, like a creek or something. Right, you know, right. Do you know, something, but um, yeah. So you know, if you're if you if you've got limited time, man. I mean, identify your weak areas of the points that you need to be good at, and work your craft as much as you can. Maybe on point it, for you is you got one month between here. You know, accumulative one month, so thirty days that you can commit to hunting. Now to hunting season. Get those best 30 days you can. Make that your on-point version. You know, it doesn't have to be going to the gym three, five times a week. It doesn't have to be shooting a thousand arrows a week. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be doing all this shit. It, it doesn't have to. Um, and I, I don't ever want to be the guy that, you know, demotivates somebody because, um, you know, like I said, that having a $2,400 bow, logging that thing around, when a lot of new guys are looking at, you know, potentially looking at me on YouTube saying, I can't afford to get into bow hunting. Well, now they can't say that anymore, right? Budget bow challenge, yeah. Yeah, and now I don't want people saying, well, I can't shoot, you know, thousands of arrows before a season, and I can't tune my bow, and I can't do all that stuff. First of all, yeah, you can. You can learn. It's really easy. But second of all, that's that's my journey. That's how committed I want to be. You don't have to be doing that same shit, and you can go out and have success too, right? Right. I'm not better than you. I'm just, I have more time. I'm more into it. Maybe, that's, that's, maybe I make it a priority more than you that's do. That's the line. So, yeah, you know, there's, it would be cool to kill a bull and oh man i really want to kill a bull so bad you know those are the, <laughs> that's that's the difference you know uh-huh. if you think you know it'd be really cool to grab a bow and go you know go go elk hunting you know that'd be cool right that'd be fun you know that's not going to probably you're not, remember, gonna a, you're not gonna give it. You're not gonna give it what it needs. Remember and, Dustin Parker when we took him over to Eastern Oregon? He missed six deer <laughs> in like yeah. three days. That is, that is what we don't want, right? Yeah. He, the first time he shot the bow was the day before. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's not. That's not right. You know. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, we were teenagers, and it was a little. We were stupid. It was a different time. Yeah. 
and uh, we couldn't hunt, so we talked somebody that could. <laughs> and yeah, we we couldn't hunt because we were rifle hunting, and right. it was bow season. Not not because we lost our rights yeah, or no, anything. No. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah, I, I realized it sounded a little t- weird. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't go, so we took somebody that could. <laughs> no, we were scouting for our rifle hunt, and we brought a guy that we talked into grabbing, you know, picking up yeah. a bow tag last minute. Took him to the range for a day. Shot pretty decent at the range. He shot good. And uh, good, I would I would say he shot legitimately good. And this is like this is our experience in amateur preparation, right? Uh, I did all the tuning, everything. Bo, right? Bo was good for him, good for his height. He had, yeah, you know, he was all pretty decent. Animal situation <laughs> went to total shit. Well, and when you see him with way. a gun too, and Dustin Parker, I know you know who you, you and I know each other. Okay, I know you. You fall apart. You do. <laughs> I love you. You fall apart. He did that with a bow. Okay. It's not the bow's fault. No, 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 no. But I think you know, even if he did train all year, that's probably yeah, still. Yeah, and, and that's that, that's what I mean. Is like, uh, like the one thing that that's the most important is how mm-hmm. you're going to handle a situation. Right. To, the situation that when it comes up to kill a bull mm-hmm. or an animal, period, it needs to be. You you need to expect that you're going to fall apart, right. and do your best to pick pick up the pieces and like calm yourself down. And okay, I knew this was gonna happen. Uh-huh. I knew it was gonna be shaking. Deep breath, you know, because they don't give you two shots. I, I right. see that on. I've seen that on Born and Rare. I've seen some, some, some videos and things where, yeah, okay, I missed and then I shot him. You know, that yeah. I don't see. I don't ever expect that. That's I lucky. One shot. Yeah. If you miss, they're gone. If you hit them, they're dead. Yeah. And and that's kind of the reality of it. If you like talk them into coming in that close against their better judgment. <laughs> but a time of year where they really just can't say no. That's on you. And they're you. curious and they're like sneaking in, which is every time I've ever seen it. They don't just waltz in with the confidence mm-hmm. like, oh, what's what's going on over here? It's like, this is interesting. <laughs> I'm listening. What's uh-huh. happening? You know, like. <laughs> yeah. And you scare them with a, a, a arrow flying by their head and hitting a branch or whatever. <laughs> they're fucking gone. <laughs> Staying gone. And you know sometimes uh, they're a little heated up. They'll be a little at you again, and you'll yeah cursing at you on the way out. It's just a, uh, <laughs> but make it count. Yeah, you're probably not going to get another chance for sure. And uh, as far as making things harder and you know getting more reward out of it and all that stuff, you know like the challenge I want to add to it would be, uh, I don't want to. I want. I want to do more like a backpack and that would be fun. You know, uh, I want to. I want to go and stay gone for maybe three days at a time maybe do that three times that'd be cool you know you could you and i have the gear for it minus the the shelter that's really all we don't have it's you know a couple tents a little cheap tents it's not a big deal yeah. light something light i was gonna talk to jimmy dean and get something from him he makes those really cool shelters you'll see him if you go to the hoodoo this year shout out to jimmy dean that guy's a badass i love that guy he makes some really cool shelters and his name's jimmy dean you gotta be pretty cool if your name's jimmy dean man. Yeah, like a sausage <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, uh, but all right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Appreciate you. Appreciate you coming on to the show, stranger. <laughs> yeah, I'll try to make it more of a habit. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't have a lot of input. I am the casual shooter, <laughs> and uh, my knowledge extends to about as far as my experience right. is. And in, in, in that, you know, we could talk about rifle hunting. We could talk about bow hunting. I, I'm always going to be more of a bow hunter now, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. And if you have anyone's on the fence, bow hunt. You, you, you try it. If you like hunting, you give this a shot, you're probably never going back. That's the way it was for me. I, I'm never turning back to, to it. 
Because it depends on the type of person. I cannot blanket statement this whole thing. But if you are chasing that dragon, you know, that glory, that mm-hmm. pride, that self-fulfillment of, of achieving something that's not easy to do, and you go out there and you do it with a bow, you're done. You're hooked. You can <laughs> just settle in. Right. You might as well just subscribe to Garrett's Patreon. It's <laughs> a <So> skeptic. Oh, <laughs> uh, did I tell you what Kim told me about that? No. Basically, shut up about Patreon. <laughs> She's like, you mentioned it like five times in two episodes. People got to know. Hey, yeah. subscribe to Garrett's Patreon. Yeah. Seriously. Patreon or er, patreon.com slash forward slash on point podcast. Yeah. This guy believes this shit. He's not just spewing it. I believe it. I'm telling you. Yeah. He's, he's legit. Oh, well, I appreciate that, man. But uh, all right, guys. Well, we will see you on the next one. Bye. All right, everybody. So what'd you think? Hopefully uh, we didn't burn it, you know, step on anybody's toes here. I had a great time with Mitch. Appreciate him coming on the show. He's always fun. And, uh, you know, really interesting perspective. Uh, You know, I'll I'll reiterate it. You know, being on point for a guy working 60 hours a week with three kids is not the same thing as being on point and being without kids and being able to commit way more time to practicing and working out. It's just two different things. And being able to know what your level of being on point is is important to know and, and also what areas to focus on if you do have a limited amount of time. And uh, just really curious to hear what, uh, how, many, how many arrows do you shoot before season, you know, from January 1st to the beginning of your season? How much time do you spend working out? You know, what's your situation? How many kids you got? Uh, let me know. I am dying to hear uh, what the average person does before season. And uh, really look forward to hearing you guys' feedback on this one. So as always, guys, I'll see you on the next one. Bye.